The goal of this podcast is to help you break in and thrive in advertising. We do that weekly by sharing the stories and advice of those rocking it on the other side. But this week, I invited back two previous guests to the show to discuss a way to thrive in advertising for the long term. Today, you will hear and learn from Shahar Marone and Richard Pychinski, and they talk about whether or not you should pursue a master's degree in advertising, as well as learnings from their careers. I love their contrast. Shahar Marone comes from a smaller agency background, where he then started his own agency. And specifically, he has a background in creative copywriting and strategy, and he's currently super passionate about brand building. Where Rich, on the other hand, spent the majority of his career on the account track at Leo Burnett, which is a large holding company-owned agency. Today, Shahar is a senior advertising lecturer at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign and was guest number eight on this show. We're at like 160, I believe. He's a friend and mentor of mine, and he also is the academic director of the MS, so that's Masters in Strategic Brand Communication Program at University of Illinois. Masters in Strategic Brand Communication Program. We're going to call that SBC from here on out. And Richard was episode number 28 on this show. He is currently the VP Marketing Director at Relevant Radio and lecturer and former student of the SBC program at the University of Illinois. To clarify, I chose to pursue the very same master's program that we talk about in today's episode. I will begin classes in the fall of 2023, and I have a blog posted on our site, breaking-entering.com, that explains in further detail why I am pursuing the Master's in Strategic Brand Communications program at UIUC. It has all the details there, but high level is because I know this program is tailored to working professionals. It hits all the boxes I need to progress in the, in the career direction I wish to go. And I know I want to learn as much as possible about strategic brand communications for my career. And hey, to better brand this podcast and any other ideas I might have in the future. But listen, I, I want to clarify, we break down why you should or should not pursue a master's degree in this episode. This is not a one-sided conversation. We discuss the benefits of portfolio schools and masters in business administration as well, also known as MBAs. So this should be a fantastic resource as you consider your long-term career goals and clarify potential new routes. To connect with Rich and Shahar, I included their LinkedIn in the episode description and more details about the SBC program can be found there. And of course, my door is always open. If you want to ask me any questions, you can connect with me on LinkedIn or you can DM us on Instagram at Breaking and Entering Pod. I'd be happy to talk with you about it further. Now on with the show. This is the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. And as usual... I am your accomplice, Gino Schellenberger. Kick it, Mikey. All right. Jahar Marone and Rich Pajinski, welcome to the Breaking and Entering Advertising Podcast. How are you both doing today? Doing great, Gino. How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for coming on, Rich. How are you doing? Terrific. Thanks for having us on. I'm excited to talk with you both again because you both have been on the show before. 
Uh, we talked about your individual careers. Maybe, I don't know, Shahar, you might have been like the first 20 episodes, correct? Single digits, I think. Any big updates since we last spoke? In the past three years? Yeah. We had this pandemic going for a while. Don't know if you heard about that. <laughs> I think we started, that last combo we had was probably right in the in the start of it. Yeah, I think I recorded that out of my closet in my bedroom. Yeah, crazy times. <laughs> How about you, Rich? What's been going on with you? Um. Uh... Went from having a 27-year uh, uh, career with Leo Burnett to doing B&B and found I didn't love that to now finding myself in a, a new role as a part-time lecturer and uh, full-time on the um, on the uh, charity side as a VP of marketing. So a little, little bit has changed, a uh, couple different career moves for me. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about uh, what you guys have been up to. Um, but I really want to dive in today and talk about master's programs and specifically the master's in strategic brand communication program at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, which is actually something that I'm enrolled in and I want to dive into for this episode. So Shahar, real quick, what what are your titles at the University of Illinois? Can you clarify for everybody that's listening? Because there might have been an update since we last spoke. Yeah, so I'm a senior lecturer at uh, the Charles H. Sandage Department of Advertising, and then I'm also the academic director at the moment uh, for the uh, SBC program, as you noted. And that's sort of a uh, you know temporary thing, admin for a few years. But I am also um, I teach the intro course for SBC as well. I've been doing that since the start, and I hope to continue doing that. Nice, nice. And Rich, what's your what's your role within the SBC program? And we'll clarify one more time here. It's the Masters in Strategic Brand Communication Program, but we're going to refer to it as SBC. So, Rich, what's your role with the SBC program? So, during the pandemic, I actually was enrolled in in a graduate of SBC, and we'll talk more about this and that to become uh, and have the credentials to uh, teach at the college level. And I currently even teach a class in the SBC program. Project management. Project management. That's something I struggle with, actually. So I'm excited to take that class. Uh, just the workbacks and systems and making and keeping everybody on track, even myself. It's, it's a struggle of mine. So I'm excited for that. But so we'll dive into the SBC program and we're going to learn all about it. We're going to talk about first, though, advertising and breaking into advertising. This is the breaking and entering advertising podcast. I mistake that earlier. Um, so Obviously, we, you know, we dove deep onto both your episodes. So I recommend everybody once again to go listen to your episodes if they haven't already. But I want to know high level. Uh, we'll start with you, Shahar. What, give us the rundown. When did you fall in love with advertising? When did you say to yourself, hey, I want to make ads for a living and then eventually go teach that? So give me the, the, the short story here. Yeah, I um, started college. I went to the University of Illinois uh, for my undergrad, started as an art major and realized I didn't want to be a starving artist. So I was looking for what's kind of a, a cool career to go into where you can be creative, but also make some money. And then, yeah, like you said, fell in love with advertising. Um, and it's a discovered major. Many, many students go that route. Um, yeah. After I graduated, I stuck around and got my master's, the traditional master's um, at the time, and then went off and started my career as a creative in Chicago um, as a copywriter first, later a creative director um, at smaller and mid-sized agencies. Um, at one point, owned my own agency with a partner, a little uh, branding boutique um, called Bates Marone, and then uh, sold that my half of that, went back, 
um, continued to become, uh, actually shifted to become a creative strategist, which was a title I didn't know existed at the time, but later on learned as an actual thing. Um, and then when looking for a, uh, a change, eventually um, came down to the University of Illinois to teach, where basically I teach the same things that I learned or that I did um, in industry, usually straddling that line between um, strategy and creative in some capacity. And I want to pause there because you brought up the branding part. What do you mean by branding and brand building uh, while we're on the subject here? Can you can you talk a little bit more about that? You know, Gino, I've talked to you about the distinction between advertising and branding and how those worlds overlap. You know, I just I didn't even think about when I started my career in advertising that branding was a thing. Um, and then I mentioned how, like, you know, Working at smaller agencies, I had the opportunity to swim upstream, so to speak, and get mm-hmm. involved in earlier conversations. And eventually, I just kept swimming upstream. Like, what happens if I don't even work on ad campaigns? But there's a whole world where you can just create brands, sometimes from scratch, sometimes rebrand something, name companies, design logos, create their identity, and give them a voice. I love, I love that, that part of it. Of it. Um, there's so many aspects of the worlds of brands that advertising is just a small part of. What made you, what made you pursue the masters right after graduating? I'd love to say that it was like some well thought out thing, but honestly, there was a recession going on and I didn't want to live at my parents' house. And I had a a girlfriend who was a year younger and still at U of I, and I was drawing cartoons at the Daily Illini and wanted to get that going for another year. So it was a bit of a a delayed adulthood, but it seemed to work out in the end. Now, I want to clarify, was this master's program different from the SBC program? What, What are the main differences like at that time? Yeah, so traditional master's program, and by the way, the Master's of Advertising program is another great program, but just a separate thing. That's, you know, when I say traditional, I mean it's in person. Um, it tends to be a smaller group. It was, you know, time something like 15 or 20 people. Um, you know, a lot of like, let's sit in some beautiful rooms and have rich discussions about in-depth topics. Um, you know, you write a thesis or work on a project. Um, you really dissect like in-depth studies of the age, uh, things like that. SBC uh, being an online program, being remote. Um, having cohorts of largely working professionals. Um, it's it's a very different animal and uh, you get different things out of it. Uh, but I really enjoyed uh, what I did get out of it. Gotcha, gotcha. So you did that and then you broke into advertising in Chicago. And what was your route again? Were you uh, art or copy? So I was copy. Uh, my route was really messy. And if you hear my previous uh, interview with Gino, it was not how I recommend people do it. In fact, sometimes I feel like I was put on this earth to come back and tell students my horror story so that they don't have to deal with it. But the long and short of it was I have always been kind of a jack of all trades, but didn't realize that coming out of school, you should never pitch yourself as such. It sort of communicates that you don't know what you want yet. So your first employer has to pay you to kind of find yourself. <laughs> Fortunately, though, I uh, being scrappy, I eventually... Uh, got an internship where they kind of now they call it a rotational program, but you know they try you out in a few different things. And one of the areas that I did really well in was copywriting, which they had a need for. So after trying me out in a oh, few yeah. different areas um, in the first three months, they said, "You know what? Why don't we bring you on full time as a junior copywriter? You've done a good job. We have a need for it." Um, and that was my path um, because I had some art in my background that helped me um, become a creative director. Maybe sooner, I would yep. never bill myself as a art director though. Yeah, you had some cartooning experience. I, I know that. And um, but I love those rotational programs. I haven't done a quick audit of the industry since I'm not looking for a job. But I that's what I really wanted to get when I graduated, because those are just so valuable and exploring different departments. Um, I know Ogilvy has a really hard one to get, difficult one to get. Um, Edelman has one. I think Havas might have one in New York, but. The, definitely, I think those are those are phenomenal to look at if 
you're not exactly sure, but you should still pick yourself in a niche, I believe, and and figure out what your strengths are and, and say you're a copywriter, art director. I think it's better to go in narrow rather than say I'm good at everything because that means That's you right. might not be good at anything. Yeah, we could talk later about how you mm -hmm. can have multiple interests, but you should still position yourself primarily as one thing and show right. how those other interests make you good at that one thing. Gotcha. All right, Rick, how about you? When was the moment you were like, hey, I want to make ads for a living or be a part of this? Um, I didn't have as a successful career at the Daily Illini as Shahar. Uh, I was working there, God's honest, true story, and I was covering uh, intramural volleyball for about the third week. And I thought, boy, this really sucks. And then I'm like, but what can I do? Like, I got to figure out what my major is. And uh, I knew advertising, there was a certain bit of creativity. And I checked out, you know, what creatives do. And I thought, I'm creative. And then I really found out what creatives do. And I'm like, I can't do that. So uh, long story short, I, I did some, what I didn't know at the time was informational interviews and found out that they have these people called account managers. Um, and they kind of are the catalyst right between the uh, brand you're working with at an ad agency and the ad agency personnel. So that's how, kind of how I found my way in uh, was because it's something I didn't want to do, which was thinking I was going to be a journalism major. Gotcha. Did you switch to advertising major at the time or was that a thing? Yeah. What? Okay. Yeah. And um, I, I just uh, did my undergrad um, and was fortunate enough to have a couple offers and uh, worked at Burnett for about 27, 28 years, uh, but did come and go from Burnett. Um, I worked Burnett left, went to Wine R for a short bit, came back uh, through kind of back door. They had acquired um, a promotions company called Frankel. And at the time when I was working at Frankel, it wasn't acquired by the Burnett group, but found my way back in. And um, interesting, I had no intentions ever to kind of work on the Leo Burnett side. But as you know, both of you can probably attest working in an agency, people know you form relationships they get to know your work and they said oh you're back and i said um yeah i'm working at franco they're like yeah but we'd love to have you work on whirlpool which was more of a leo burnett led account and i didn't know that i was trying or could even move back over to another subsidiary uh which in this day and age you know you, you kind of flip you can move oftentimes within subsidiaries within a big holding company so i was fortunate enough to be able to move around and even kind of move back and forth into uh, what Frankel became, which was ARC, which was kind of a more retail digital side, and then bounced back into Leo Burnett. So it really was good because what it did provide was a lot of variety in working on different accounts and different business challenges. Yeah. And this is interesting too. I just, I kind of just discovered this. Shahar, you kind of have the, the independent shop background, correct? You even started your own agency. Is that accurate? Yeah. And then, Rich, you have that larger holding company experience. You're talking subsidiaries, transferring within mergers and ac acquired companies and moving around within the larger holding company. We could talk for four hours about, you know, the pros and cons, the differences between mm -hmm. the smaller shops 
and the the larger holding companies. So can you both just go real quick and just tell me what are like the biggest pros of, of staying focused, uh, biggest pros of an independent shop? Shahar, I want you to talk about that. And then Rich, talk about what are the pros of working at a larger holding company? I think this is an incredible opportunity just to, to clarify real quick from your learning experiences. So Shahar, kick us off with the smaller shops, starting out why it's great for an aspiring advertiser to start off in a smaller shop. Yeah. So I mentioned that I was kind of like jack of all trades and I like that smaller places allow you to wear more hats. Um, You know, they hire um, the person and sometimes it's like, all right, we're hiring you because we kind of need like 70% of a copywriter, but maybe 15% of a uh, strategist. And you know what, sometimes we might need you to pitch your own work uh, to clients because uh, we don't have enough account directors to go around. And I liked that because it allowed me to try a lot of different things. Um, I also liked that Um, Being smaller, I could go right to like the owner of the company if I really wanted to make something happen and they could move quickly. There wasn't a lot of red tape. If you could uh, convince the bosses that this is a good route to go, things can move quickly um, and even with clients as well. Um, I don't know if we were getting into the cons or not, but you know, some of the downsides are like I wasn't exactly working on Super Bowl ads or even necessarily brands or ads that my friends would see. Um, on TV or driving on the highway or anything, you know, yeah. I was doing a lot of business to business, um, smaller brands, or sometimes if I was working on bigger brands, it was a small part within that. So, you know, I enjoyed the work. It was really, um, uh, it allowed me to do a lot of creative thinking, uh, do work we were proud of, um, have a lot of fun. But sometimes the subject matter is like, I remember one of my first clients was colostomy bags. You know, this was not exactly the kind of stuff that I was going to tell all my friends like, hey, check this out. What are those? What, what uh, colostomy bags. So, you know, it's like medical equipment type stuff. If somebody's had a surgery and, um, you know, all the pipes inside their body aren't working quite right. You need a little something extra on the side. This was not a world that I was a part of. Um, I think of the, my first three clients were contact lenses, colostomy bags and a crab shack. So it was like gotcha. the three C's basically of, uh, of my advertising years. OK, seems pretty meaningful, though. Yeah. Okay. Rich, how about you? What, what, so aspiring advertisers, pros and cons go in large agency first. Well, I, I had the kind of the fortune, good fortune, you know, the Burnett experience and then come back to Franco, which was a probably a 200 person shop that ended up growing to 900 and then kind of shrunk back down again. And then eventually into the world of uh, Leo Burnett again, as they got acquired and passed around with Publicis um, group, which is, the first or second largest holding company now. Yeah, they're I'd say, I mean, you did have an opportunity to really work on larger brands and oftentimes have some kind of media assignments. So there are many more smaller assignments and, and things to, you know, pay the bills, you know, keep the lights on, so to speak, for the brands. But every once in a while, you, you know, you get the big, sexy, you know, new brand campaign, like, you know, redoing the Maytag Man was you know, something that was super cool uh, that I was able to, you know, be a part of uh, and help lead with uh, other great people. You know, uh, maybe on the kind of the challenges side, I would say just the size. Size can be a little bit daunting, um, trying to get things done even within your own organization. Client doesn't care that you're part of a big organization. You have to figure it out. And what I found, especially in the last, say, five to seven years, was they kind of, they said, great, you, you, we're going to work with Publicis. And then all the publicists in our, my particular situation, holding companies had to work together. And what I found was it often kind of ran into something called cooperation, where we're all kind of like fighting for the same budget. And, uh, you know, we each have our own PL. So it wasn't one united happy PL under publicists. So no. 
each each group, you know, within the Publicis family. And I'm sure this is other holding companies too. Oh, yeah. Not not to narc out any, you know, you know that it was Publicis. Right. But um, you know, everybody was kind of fighting for their for their part, right? And then we we all play nice in the sandbox and have meetings together. And the client, you know, again, they just want you to get along. You get, get the product done, you know, and uh, make sure you get their budgets and, and their timelines. So yeah. that probably would be kind of the, one of the biggest challenges I ran into. But, you know, did provide, you know, good opportunity to figure out, you know, how to work within my own um, polling company and, and figure out how to get things done, you know, for our clients, you know, with, with their best interests in mind. I love it. Yeah, a lot of these holding companies are trying to adopt a system where they're all unified and it's still an issue and they're still figuring it out. Uh, and like you said, with the different P&Ls uh, and what was the term you, you came up with? Cooperation. I love that. Uh, yeah, I didn't come up with that. I, I, I've stolen everything in my career. So cooperation oh. was another phrase. Steal like an artist. Yeah. Okay. So biggest points in your careers. I want to get to these pivotal points, these pivotal moments that shaped your careers and the lessons you learned. Maybe you transition into teaching for Shahar is something that we could talk about or creating your own agency. So Shahar, what are these moments and what, I guess, what can you trace back to that looking back were the biggest pivotal moments? Yeah. So, I mean, Rich mentioned the word relationships earlier, and that just comes up over and over and over again. Um, and by the way, I'm a, a people don't believe this, but I'm a fairly introverted person by nature. So it took me a bit to get out my comfort zone and just get to know people pretty well. They circle back in your life and create opportunities. So for example, uh, first couple agencies I worked at as a copywriter, I had an art director partner. We worked great together, um, even hopped agencies together at one point and did freelance work on the side, which I didn't really think about was a thing. But, you know, tons of creatives and even others have freelance work on the side, little projects you pick up for small businesses or, um, you know, subdivisions of things, whatever. As long as it doesn't interfere with your day job, it's sort of understood that it happens. Well, me and my partner, uh, my creative partner, Becca, did some freelance work together that started to snowball into something substantial. And eventually we had to make the decision of, um, do we want to turn this into a real thing or not? And ultimately we did launch our own agency um, after a couple of years of snowballing freelance. And then even after, you know, we did that for five years and it was fantastic. And um, when I decided to move on, it wasn't because I didn't love the work. It was because um, I found that my job became much more account management, project management, deal, being HR, things like that. When what I wanted to do was creative and strategy. Um, so I kind of did this back and forth throughout my career of, I always have a side thing going, the side thing balloons into something, um, uh, you know, uh, too big. And then I have to determine if I want to pursue that or kind of circle back to my old thing. And I've done that back and forth. Um, but, um, you know, uh, another one of those pivotal moments then was, uh, I had kept in touch with some old professors from the U of I. And when I was about 12 years into my agency career, I was looking for a change. I had young children at home and I was looking for a better work-life balance, um, and just by happenstance, uh, old professors I talked to said, hey, you know what, we're, we're uh, hiring here for um, a lecturer position. Um, it's not research-based. You don't need a PhD. You do need a master's, um, but you happen to have that because you stuck around U of I right. for an extra year. And uh, would you be interested? And even though I hadn't really taught before, I had the kind of industry background that the program thought that students would benefit from. So um, going to teach was a major move because I went down, like literally moved the family down to Champaign from Chicagoland, but it was fantastic for our, um, for our lives. And also I didn't have to stop doing my industry work. So I, once again, with the full blessing of my uh, department head, um, picked back up freelance work, which again has now ballooned into blue green branding, which is my consultancy I run with a partner. And that's just a virtual agency that we run on the side. 
um, my clients know that I teach and my faculty colleagues know that I consult and it all kind of works out really well. Oh, it's a great balance. And that's what students want, right? They want they want somebody with the experience for the most part. And then to know that you're still keeping the that's that strength, I guess, that skill, that muscle uh, engaged as you're consulting on the side, that is a lot of credibility to you in what you're saying in the classroom. If you could point to a case study and say, this is what I just did, or this is what I know I've done in the past. I was gonna ask you, so Bates Marone, I don't know if you said the name or not, is that yeah, what's yeah. going on with that with, with that agency? Oh, they're still going strong. In fact, uh, I think there are about a dozen people. It's a creative boutique in Chicago. Um, my partner, Becca, we're still friends. Um, I send some of my uh, graduates, my students over to her. I think she's got one or two of them now. Yeah. Um, so it's wonderful. She's living the boutique agency life and I have somebody that I can always root for. I love it. And I like that you can send your students to go work there, potentially. That's yeah. always great too. We want to get the students hired. Rich, how about your biggest pivotal moments in your career? Um, looking back, what, what what comes to your mind? You know, it's I don't normally share this with people, but I, and I, I don't think you guys know this, but um, so when I was working at Burnett for about four or five years, we went through some tough times and there was a big layoff and I was part of the layoff. In fact, the quick funny story about it was I had taken Friday off and uh, there was, they did the layoff on a Friday and everybody was pulled into the office of our account director. And he said, okay, everybody just get back to work. You know, everybody's just wasting time. Nobody in this room has to worry about their job. You weren't laid off. All right. And then I called up my AAE at the time and I said, hey, how are things there? What happened with the layoff? And they said, well, so-and-so called us in the room and they said, nobody here has to worry about being laid off. Well, I wasn't in that room because I was taking a day off. Came in on Monday and I told my wife, if I'm going to be laid off, you're going to hear from me in the first half hour. And sure enough, I was laid off. And you know what? I looked at that and, you know, it was a real kind of kick in the ass. But, you know, for the folks listening, it's it happens in the business, right? Oh, yeah. And it happens to good people, happens to bad people, happens to all people with, you know, with pink hair and, and with brown eyes and all sorts of folks. And yeah. I went through it, right? And, you know, it was a little bit personal. And I'm like, you know, why? And I realized, you know, after looking at some of the people who got let go, it wasn't about my work. I was on a piece of business where there was a reduction oh, yeah. in the amount of funding. And, you know, I was I was the one, right? But again, as we said at the beginning, long story short, you circle back, come back. People find me. They want me on their business. It was as if they didn't even know that I had left because I was laid off. And then, you know, eventually was promoted to, you know, be an officer of the company and promoted again and other leadership positions and got to do and be with people I never thought I could be. So don't take that personal, right? Because you can have many lives in your career, especially if you stick around long enough. And it was the relationships, again, that I think, and hopefully, you know, some good work and and a lot of luck that were mm-hmm. help were on my side. So that was uh, maybe a little bit of a long-winded story, but I think an important one for me. And then just kind of realizing, because I always kind of was close to the university and wanted to give back, honestly, through mentoring and coaching and guest lecturing. And I was, I kind of liked it. It was kind of fun. And long story short, I wanted to teach, but didn't know how to. And eventually found my way back door into Loyola being able to teach without my master's, but realizing I needed to get my master's. And so they kind of let me go along for a little while. And in fact, ran up and did a class at Marquette. And eventually I tricked Shahar into hiring me. 
and uh, you know the rest is history. So we'll see we'll see what else is you know in there. But you know, just staying you know staying close to what your passions are, and you know, Shahar said it too. You know, some of your passions and having a side hustle and always having something you know kind of going that's of an, of another interest and being able to you know find find an outlet for it. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing that story. It's it's real. I'm expecting it in my career at some point. And I think whether that's uh, cynical or not, I think it's just something in this business, especially with hard economic times, if budgets are cut at a large agency, small agency, it's sometimes out of your control. So yeah, yeah. just being prepared for me, it's creating content and, uh, you know, pursuing a master's degree, which we can talk about and why I'm, I'm pursuing the SBC. But also I wanted to ask you, Rich, so what, what made you, where were you at in your career when you said, I want to teach? And, and then what made you choose the SBC program? Uh, I think, again, staying always connected to the university. And that, that always was kind of a little bit of a lifeline, you know, passion project for me. And so that was know, your entire career. You've always been going yeah. back. You've been yeah. staying in touch with whoever the department had at the time was your son. I know also graduated from the University of Illinois. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I was the guy who said, hey, there's students coming in. I want to make sure that you know, we do an, an agency presentation for them. I was yeah. the guy that said, hey, we want to go on campus. Can I be the guy, you know, right. to help organize the group down there? I was, you know, the person who said, hey, I, I would like to just, you know, senior Saturday and be, you know, a speaker there. So staying, you know, connected in that way to the University of Illinois and, you know, great people down there. And my way, again, to give back to a lot of, you know, good people. Um, and then seeing students, seeing faces like mine. I was I was the first to go off to college, you know, son of a truck driver, mom raised with my dad's six kids, you know, so I felt, you know, that somebody, something was looking out for me. And this was, again, an opportunity to kind of give back. So staying close to that. And then, you know, just realizing like, hmm, what do I need, you know, to be better? I, I, I'm kind of having the practical experience with a variety of accounts and, oh, yeah. and, and different things to do retail, you know, television, you know, video production, uh, you know, the early days of digital. Um, and then second time around, you know, when the internet really kind of came back full force that it is today, getting those experiences, but then just from, you know, the academic side, what's needed and talking to people like Shahar and um, with a person who is a mentor to me uh, at the university, speaking with Jan, they helped me kind of understand, you know, what is it like to be not only a teacher, but a person who really can impart wisdom and knowledge and, and then how to structure your class and what's needed to kind of perform, you know, in an exceptional way in an academic environment coming from the practical side. And there was a lot to learn, believe you me. I was like, man, the first class just, I wouldn't say a train wreck, but kind of had to find my way through. And, and luckily it was at Loyola, not at the University of Illinois. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Because the last time we talked, I think you were doing some like adjunct work at Loyola, if I recall correctly. Um, so you realized you needed a master's degree to do this uh, more full time or more, you know, professionally. What? Why did you choose the SBC program? I mean, there's plenty of because a lot of these schools also you could probably just get any master's degree as long as it's accredited by uh, an entity of some sort that's a, official. So you probably could have done like a master's in management for probably 
a lot less money, maybe a little bit easier. I'm not sure. Maybe something philosophy. I'm not sure how the University of Illinois hires, but in general, what made you choose the SBC? I, I did look around, you know, a bit and without talking about other programs, I, I really found that the university program at Illinois with the SBC kind of kind of filled in the gaps. And when you when you kind of looked at kind of the balance of, you know, the time, the cost, and most importantly, you know, who was going to be kind of teaching me, because not that I didn't feel like I, I could still learn. I very much understood I could have a lot of growth there. But having the opportunity to learn from people within the College of Media, while at the same time, people from the Geese School of Business, man, I think that's, that's a double header of success. Yeah, and, no and one that other programs didn't, you know, offer. And that to me, it was like a slam dunk uh, in terms right. of putting those three together, but especially those two parts from the academic side. I like that. And that's something that I want to get into. But before we talk even further about the strategic brand communication master's program, I am curious, like, can you tell me both of you guys, I guess, like why choose a master's like for an aspiring advertiser? Like in general, like, is it a right route to go? Who should pursue a master's degree if they want to break into advertising or should they wait 10 years? I know that you guys wanted to break into academia and teach, which you require a master's, but let's step aside from that perspective. Master's in general, Shahar, maybe you can lead us off. Why should somebody pursue a master's degree in this, in this field? Yeah. And we've talked about how there's why should you and why shouldn't you? There's some yes. bad reasons for yeah. sure. Um, the answer I always give people, I have students come to me all the time saying, should I get a master's? Or sometimes they say, should I go to portfolio school? The answer is always, it depends. Um, uh, and then the depending on who I'm school. talking to, um, I elaborate on that, right? So there are, uh, why get a master's? Well, there are certain areas within advertising and marketing where a master's can be very helpful. Um, if you go into something like strategy or research, um, a master's can really help you just up your game. You you have more knowledge, more tools at your disposal to do your job really well, um, to think deeply. Um, and I've seen that help people make a move into a more strategic lane in their career or accelerate, um, you know, the trajectory of their career. Um, relatedly, you know, people who are like really interested in the creative side, I actually tell them as someone who got their master's and then went into creative, getting a master's will not help you get a job in creative. It will, however, raise your ceiling of how far you can go. So in my case, I started in creative, but then started to do what's known as swimming upstream, which is getting invited to the earlier and earlier meetings where instead of like, here's a brief, now come up with stuff with your team. It's, hey, we want you in that meeting, you know, a month earlier where we're still trying to figure out what's this brand supposed to focus on um, and which audience should we really go after? Things like that. I enjoyed being invited to those rooms earlier on. Um, Getting a master's was the kind of thing that really helped me do that. Not the piece of paper, but the things that I learned in there. Um, things on the account side, um, you know, that's where sometimes people go MBA. Um, sometimes people don't do any advanced education. Um, and sometimes people do a master's like SBC. You know, that's again, it's a, it's the, it, it depends situation. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of times it's the relationships you meet. There are certain topics that can really help you um, as an account director, like Rich's class, for example, managing projects and teams is huge. I need that really bad. Yeah, that's a, and he's evolved that by the way, he's really humble, but he's really evolved that into something that people really want, making sure that managing teams part um, is like an equal partner to the managing projects part, the human side of it. Um, so again, for account directors, that could be great. And, you know, a lot of times people look at a program like this compared to an MBA type program, and those can be great too. Um, 
A lot of the people that teach in our program have MBAs. You know, the SBC is like a subset within that of like, hey, there's aspects of the MBA that I find really relevant, but other parts I don't think are as much for me. Like maybe supply chain management or pricing strategy is not so much for me, but I want to get more into this. So a lot of times it's asking the kinds of questions of like, what sort of a path are you interested in? Um, and then what's the kind of thing that can help you get there? A lot of times, by the way, a master's is not necessary at all. I am actually seeing that on the, uh, like on the media and digital strategy side of things, sometimes uh uh, academia is having trouble keeping up and really knocking out a bunch of online certifications might be the best way to keep up with those in certain things, depending on what you want to do. So sometimes a master's is not the best route. Sometimes you can get that same education somewhere else. Um, it's just a reminder that it's it's a combination of like the piece of paper that opens some doors, um, the things that you've learned, the people that you meet, it all kind of gets wrapped together. Yes. And you touched on, you touched on a lot there. So I want to take your time because you, got, you, you mentioned MBA, you have, we're going to talk about the masters in advertising realm in the SBC. And then you also talked about portfolio school, which, I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast for a long, long time. And uh, I worked at a portfolio school for a year. So I want to talk about portfolio school and why that, what that realm looks like. Really, that's super helpful for breaking in, mm -hmm. really getting into your first job. It's pretty much what it's for is breaking into the creative route, copywriting, uh, art direction, and a little bit of strategy. I noticed some of the programs are trying to incorporate strategy as well. They, there's only a few programs I feel like that do that a good job, but really it's going to be for your creative, your art director and copywriter roles where you're, where you're creating spec work for one to two years. It could be pretty costly as well. Uh, I think, you know, your MBA and your portfolio schools can definitely add up. So, um, getting into that first job that's what portfolio schools are all about if you graduate and you realize you don't have the best book of five to six campaigns usually that's what they're looking for that are you know fully fleshed out that portfolio school can definitely help you if you're interested in copywriting and or art direction for sure any ads on that um, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you brought up a great point. Portfolio school and certain things are great for breaking into advertising. Yes. I think of a master's as like breaking through to the next level. Um, and I've actually been transparent. Getting a master's won't necessarily help you get your first job. In fact, sometimes mm -hmm. people, depending on your role, are intimidated by that or feel like right. this person's going to come in here with too much abstract knowledge and not enough. Like, I'm not going to be able to teach them because they're going to be too ingrained in their ways. So it's not to say that a master's hurts you off the bat. It's more a matter of like, it's not the thing necessarily that gets your foot in the industry. Right. With the exception of something like teaching, which is where it's actually required. Um, right. It's Absolutely. more like helping you hit that next level. So if I graduated, I graduated in 2020 peak pandemic. If I would, I probably should have decided to do the master's if I would have known what the future were to look like. I knowing what I know now, I wish I would have done it right, right then and there. But if I did that, I wouldn't have told employers, Hey, you got to hire me because I have a master's and you got to pay me more because I have a master's and you, and I expect this and I'm entitled to a better role because of that. I would not, I wouldn't take that route necessarily. I would just be like, this is just something I've been passionate about. I have aims to break into academia down the line, or I'm interested in strategy. That's how I probably would position it a little bit better, not to pry and break in with it. Yeah, yeah that's smart. Yeah. Good answer, Gino. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Rich? I mean, like, what are your thoughts like well, on I, masters and what, you know, from your perspective, like, this, you know, this, why should somebody pursue masters? Like this, your son, for an example, yeah. too, like, I don't know what he what he's up to, but what would you tell your son about this? Well, I would first I would tell my son and anybody else go back and listen to Shahar's 
three-minute segment there because I think he hits a lot of really good points, which I won't repeat, but go back and listen to that because, I, I mean, that is just absolute truth, what you said. My teaching, it's the one or two percent, right? What I do think, the, what about the program? If, if someone is interested in communication or in communications already, but feels like they haven't had enough of maybe diverse training across the, the strategic portion of this, understand the branding part, even something that's, my class is more practical with the project management element, though it's broken into two parts. Um, then I would say SBC deserves a really hard look. Um, I find too that in teaching now uh, for a couple uh, classes, there are a lot of communication professionals coming back wanting, I think, to have a little bit more depth to their understanding. And I think that's what it affords them. Um, and, and for the ones that are coming out as undergrads, maybe it gives them a little bit more confidence um, yeah. in, in working with people with the practical experience, right? And hearing some of that. And there's a there's a fair amount of, I think Shahar would agree, team uh, work that you do. Um, and that's that's real life. And you're given real life situations in many cases, working with people with practical experience. So which is a good point to make for those that are, you know, are are applying to for this role or for into the master's program as they graduate, right? Like you right. will get practical experience indirectly Absolutely. throughout these people as well if you're struggling to find a job or for whatever reasons you want to pursue it. So that that's a great point as well. I think that was great to highlight. Um, and also, I, I wanted to talk about, um, will a master's degree in general in sort of in brand communications and advertising in general, could that help you break into the client side? Because I know an MBA can do that. But something that I would think about if Nike called me up, it was like, hey, Gino, do you want to be a brand manager? I'd be like, maybe. Let's talk. That'd be interesting. Could this help me get to that level where they would call me up or help my application? I, I think so. I mean, we talk about in the program, um, SBC helps train global brand leaders. So there are people who want to work in advertising, but others that want to work in marketing and others that are entrepreneurs and others that want to work client side, all kinds of things. It gives you kind of this holistic look at brands and how they operate so that you can then communicate them, manage them, lead them, sometimes shape them or create them from scratch. And that's just a really nice skill set because then once you're able to do things like that, and by the way, we've seen people do this when they're just a few classes in, you don't have to wait till you graduate to do this, start to apply the things you've learned to be like, oh, I can now do this to get that startup off the ground that I've always wanted to do. Or I'm yeah. at a large organization. I can now be more entrepreneurial in my own role to kind of take, you know, my brand, my PNL um, to the next level. You can do that in all kinds of ways. Great ad. Great ad. I think now I want to get into the specifics. Because we we kind of talked high level, I know we dipped into the SBC program, but let's let's really dive deep on like what makes the SBC program different from any other master's in advertising or an MBA or a mar or a portfolio school. What does the program itself look like? What is is it built for uh, uh, professionals or could students that recently graduate take this? How long does it take? Give me the rundown of the classes. However, you want to approach this, Shahar, if you want to kick us off. Yeah, I can do the overview and then uh, Rich can give you the ground level because he's gone through it. Um, Heck yeah. Sounds yeah, like a plan. So overall, uh, Masters of SBC, it's a, a year and a half all online program. So it's designed for working professionals who have a full-time job. Uh, many times people also have families and other obligations and they take this on the side. They fit this in their life for 17, 18 months. 
Um, it runs uh, what we call a cohort model, which means you're only taking one class at a time. This is somewhat unique um, in this program. Take one oh, class together with all of your peers. I, I teach the I intro course. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the four weeks of my intro course, you meet everybody. And then afterwards, you all move together to the next class and then the next class. And, you know, there's a couple of one week, two week breaks here and there. But in doing so, you get to know each other really well, which means the relationship part of college, which is such an important part of college. The people that you meet that will become your network for the rest of your career, that forms. And you really see people get to know each other, help each other out. We've literally seen people um, help each other get jobs and things like that. Um, it is, as Rich pointed out, it's a, it was created jointly between the Geese College of Business and the Charles H. Sanders Department of Advertising. So that's also unique in our university is two, you know, kind of cousin programs coming together. And it was created as a 50-50 split. And our faculty and our subject matter are still split um, between business and advertising. I, I love that because as an undergrad studying advertising, I, you know, I would go to Biff to the business instructional facility at University of Illinois. And sometimes I'd be jealous, right? Like they have some amazing like opportunities and like a lot of my friends were a part of that, but I knew that wasn't what I was wanting to do or supply chain. I didn't, I knew that wasn't for me, but now I'm excited as I take this program, like to learn from some of those professors and, and tap into some of those resources as a graduate student. So that's a yeah. great ad as well. Yeah. And it's never that like one is better than the other. It's just that, you know, to that IMBA or that MBA kind of question from earlier, there's a lot of stuff that's in an MBA that's also an SBC, but it was sort of like this program was designed and I wasn't there at the time to kind of shape the program from the start, but it was designed of like, what are some elements that are not in an MBA that some of the people interested in brain management, et cetera, might be interested in? Um, and then what are some that maybe we can let go of that feel like there may be more in depth in an area our students are not as interested in? So it was very custom created. Um, in that sort of a regard. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, it's um, being all online. People can kind of largely set their own schedule. There's a lot of weekly deadlines. Um, there are uh, video lectures you can watch in your own time and there's online engagement. There are times that are optional to attend where like once a week, everyone gets together for a Zoom and you know, uh, faculty kind of guide them through things. It's a chance for people to meet each other, answer questions. There's a group projects where you interact quite a bit with uh, some of your fellow students to create things. So sometimes scheduling can be tricky, you know, People that are like undergrad management. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, sometimes yeah. we've talked about project management, which should be like the second class. Um, let's try to get it up a little bit earlier because not a bad call. Yeah. As an instructor group project can sometimes be the bane of our existence when you've got, you know, one person who says like, I can't do my part because I'm busy with life. And everyone's like, we're all busy with life. You got to, we got to figure this out together. Um, nobody's schedule is more important than somebody else's. Interesting. Yeah. But anyway, that's just a high level. Um, Rich, I'm, I'm super interested to hear your experience having gone through it. Yeah. I mean, from, from a, again, Shahar is the, uh, as a the director hits all the high points and, and, and again, speaks truth from a student's perspective. I appreciate that I could step into the program. I was having to play catch up a bit. So at the end, they allowed me to kind of double up on classes, my last three classes. And I noticed there were a couple students when I became a lecturer that were double doing double duty. So I appreciated the flexibility of the program. Um, that's not the, the primary reason, but just someone coming in. And I had a, a bit of a sense of urgency. I, I don't have as much hair as you guys do. So I realized time was fleeting. And for me, I wanted to get it done. Right. And back to back, you know, was a little bit, I wouldn't call it intense, but, you know, you got, you got to be ready to contribute. And I, I love the last point you made more from the lecture point of view, like, 
everybody is busy with life. But I think the movement of the program and building in a little bit of weeks to pause, you know, around the holidays was a, a good call. And uh, but it moves quickly. And that's good because you can apply uh, what you're taking from the classes immediately, not only in your work life, but to these other classes. You're forming relationships. You're building your own teams within the cohort, too. And that, I think, allows you to you know, feel more confident about your project work because you're kind of building your own little internal brand on top of, you know, learning a lot of great new things or, you know, brushing up in maybe some other areas. If you're a professional, just wanting to feel a little bit stronger in some of the other uh, classwork areas. So, you know, the flexibility. I, I do think it, it leans a little bit more on the qualitative side of things, which I find that was appealing to me even in my advanced age. The quant part I can do. I like some, but it's the qual part that I think this program maybe is a little bit, you know, 51, 49, sure. leaning toward and having kind of rich discussions and, and looking at it maybe a little bit more from a macro perspective, though there's, there's, you'll have your fill of data and it's helpful and good and enriching. Uh, but the qual and the flexibility I would call out in addition to all the good things Shahar said. Nice. Love it. Um, yeah, I'm excited. And I think the cohort the, and the way that it's structured makes it so easy to you you sign up and it's pretty much plotted out for you, correct? Are there I mean yeah. are there electives or or I mean how does how does that work like you can choose your own path as well a little bit or is it all pretty much set in stone? It's pretty set, although within each class, there's quite a bit of flexibility. In fact, like in my class, for example, I let students choose some of their own brands they want nice. in order to dissect them for my class. And but, some people choose the brand that's the company that they work at. You know, oh, that's sometimes cheating. we're working on an assignment for brand messaging. And someone's that. like, I'm, I got to work on brand messaging right now at work. So I might as well use that for a, my hey. assignment and make a little, you know, there's there's things I, like that. I like Someday that. we are looking to introduce electives, but it's tricky in a cohort model. No, yeah. it's, uh, and universities that's- move slowly, yeah. No, well, that actually makes it, to me, as somebody that has, you know, is working 50, 60 hours in my day job and then, you know, another 10 to 20 with the podcast, that's a, that might be an exaggeration. Um, but I like that you have it structured. You walk me through it. You have it laid out for me because that's what this program is designed for. Somebody that's busy and somebody that has a family or they're, they're doing life in their job. So to me, I wouldn't want for me personally, I wouldn't want to go in and be like, all right, I need to select, like, track this out like I did undergrad. That's a lot of time. So I know this program. I looked at the, I looked at the schedule. I see that it fits what I want. And I know that I'll learn a lot and it's already set in stone. Like for the most part, that to me is one of the most appealing parts of it as a, as a, as a upcoming student of it. Yeah. Students have noted that they like to be able to focus on one thing at a time since yeah. that's, this is already one of many things in their lives. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> If I can say too, I mean, the program is serious, right? You know, you got to put in your time and you get great results, but life happens. I want a quick story. I mean, I remember during our cohort, especially towards the end of when we'd have our, our video chat each week with the professor, kids would come on, dogs walk across the screen, you know, life mm -hmm. happens. And I think this program isn't, isn't too serious, right? It's serious, but it's not too serious. It doesn't, it's not like, you know, let's have a heart attack if one thing goes wrong or you know sometimes you know we we had a little hiccup with some of the, the video you know we work yeah, through it right? happens that happens right i mean so um i think you gotta understand that you know 
there are people, they have lives and they're just like you in the program. And uh, the, the people form really great relationships. I really appreciated that Shahar uh, and his admin allowed me to come down for graduation and see the students and experience that part. I want to do that. On campus, which is super I, cool. I, I didn't get to walk in 2020. On Zoom with. Well, yeah, I, I, I didn't get to walk in 2020. And yeah. I mean, I had the opportunity to like a year or two later. I didn't do that. Um, but I was talking to my parents. I'm like, we should all go down. Like, you know, if and when I do graduate from this program and however many months, you said 15 to 18 months, right, Shahar? Yeah, 17 After- to 18 months. And it is amazing. I love graduation because you have so many people that have never met in person before. But it's like a reunion. It's like people are hugging and crying. People that they have worked with closely for a year and a half and yeah. meeting for the first time in person. It's such a cool experience. I can't wait. And any excuse to get back down into Champaign, uh, I'm excited for. I miss it. So Yeah. Real quick, Gino, you asked about flexibility. Uh, one area that it is flexible is that not everybody just goes through start to finish in 18 months. So, for example, Rich pointed out, um, we don't advertise this, but sometimes people join in after like a couple of classes have already been completed. So they start with like the third or fourth, and then they go through, and then they might catch those later on uh, on the tail end. Or um, sometimes people get certificates. They actually just take a couple of classes, you know, you can string together three classes and get your own certificate out of the deal. And then if later on you want to get your master's, you can just roll those into uh, credits and get and fill in the gaps. Um, we've also seen people that will take it for a while and then stop. Like, you know, they might be like, look, my mother is very ill. Um, my work has gotten crazy busy. We just had a child, you know, life events. People will take a break. They'll come back. They just have to get those classes the next time where they're available, which is usually that same time next year. So all kinds of people have competed this program in a lot mm-hmm. of different ways. I love it. And I think we'll probably have some other discussions with people that have graduated from the program in addition to this conversation. So I'm looking forward to those. Yeah. Anything else we missed? I think, you know, we, we, we talked about a lot, a lot of great things about you guys, about master's programs, MBAs, portfolios, schools, and we got down to the the specifics of of the SBC program. But is there anything else that I didn't ask that you guys want to shout out or bring up uh, about the program, about yourselves? Rich, what do you got? I would just say that, I mean, again, I think about that last point, because, I mean, I had some moments where I was like, oh, my gosh, it's not that I I didn't want to finish the program or I couldn't do it. It's just a lot was happening. And, you know, I leaned back into, you know, the two administrators. I even talked to some of my cohort, fellow cohort people, and it kind of got me through. And I didn't stop. I got through. And I think, again, there there is that network of people, not just from a professional, but a personal point of view, too. And again, it was all online and crazy that, you know, that it, it happened virtually. Um, but, you know, that's the nature. And, and you can know that I think there's other people that are like you going through yeah. things. They got your back. And, and, they're there to, and they got your back. People starting up their own businesses. You know, we know how important marketing and communication is. And also just kind of good business acumen. A couple of my cohort members were in that kind of classification and, a couple um, women in particular that we taught were starting up or had fledgling companies and were leaning into SBC. So entrepreneurs out there too, consider, oh, yeah. check it out, do your research on SBC. Oh, that's another reason why I'm drawn to it too with uh, with the podcast and then uh, a couple other business ideas that my friend and I have filed an LLC for. So some f- fun stuff and just the branding part of it is my favorite part. And even personal branding too, right? Like as simple as like those student or people out there that are looking for 
to elevate their careers. I'm sure you'll get a lot of great lessons on on how to brand yourself in, in this world, which is what I also enjoy as well. Yeah. And Gino, you're really good. We talked about this recently. You're lapping the field when it comes to what you're doing for personal branding. So I hope you do a podcast where I don't know if you just interview yourself or what, but talk about <laughs> personal branding. It is so important. Well, maybe I'll have you lead that that conversation in the future. Uh, uh, it's not a bad idea. Thank you so much. But I think that's all I got. And how can people really learn more about the program or more about you two individually or on a group call? What's what's the best route? Yeah. I mean, for us, you know, check out our LinkedIn's or our previous podcast episodes um, for the SBC program. Uh, it's sbc.illinois.edu. There you go. Website's got it all. It even outlines all of the classes in order. It has little video intros by each of the professors. Um, you can actually get a few sample lectures if you kind of sign up for uh, more information. Um, our socials, we, we spotlight a lot of student testimonials. I see a lot um, of testimonials on here. I see. Yeah, we kind of learned like alumni and students have so many great things to say. Let's not worry about creating like a clever ad campaign. Let's just highlight what they say. So, you know, check those kinds of things out. That's probably the best way to learn about it. In fact, a number of our alumni have offered to speak with prospective students who just want to chat and learn more. So take us up on that if you're interested. Love it. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you both coming on. I'm excited to take the program myself. And I think, I hope people look into this. And I know as aspiring advertisers, somebody trying to thrive in advertising, like this was the perfect program for me to sign up for. So you will be seeing me in the fall, whether you like it or not. <laughs> no extra credit. No extra yeah. credit. That's right. <laughs> right. Now I can't wait to see you in August. All right. I appreciate you both. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gino. Thank you for tuning in to Breaking and Entering. We want to be transparent with our valued listeners, so we'd like to disclose that this episode was made possible through a paid collaboration. The funds from this collaboration were used to produce this episode and contribute to the growth and enhancement of our show. At Breaking and Entering, we are committed to delivering high-quality content that informs, entertains, and engages our audience. We carefully select our partners to ensure that any sponsored or paid content aligns with the values and interests of our listeners. Rest assured that while this episode is a result of a paid collaboration, our opinions and creative control over the content remain independent and, of course, authentic. We prioritize providing valuable insights and experiences to our audience regardless of any paid partnerships. And we greatly appreciate the support of our sponsors and partners as they play a vital role in helping us bring content to your ears. If you have any questions about our partnerships or this disclosure, please do not hesitate to reach out to us at Gino, G-E-N-O, at breakenterpod.com. Thank you.